You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, crucifixion was devised by the Romans to be a most torturous kind of execution. It was very public and very shameful and very... Uh, and very long. They would normally put the cross right by the, right by the path, the road that ran into the city so that people who were going into the city could see the people hanging there and writhing what would normally be for days suffering this kind of death. And over their head was written their crime. Thief, murderer, adulterer. So that as you're going into that town, you know that they're serious about the law and you don't want to break them. It was so such a horrendous sort of death that it was illegal for a Roman citizen to be crucified. But this was only for slaves or foreigners. So the Jews were open for this kind of execution. And the physical agony alone of the crucifixion is enough to make us weep. The one who was crucified was tied or nailed to a cross, or sometimes both. Nail through the hand was incredibly painful, but it couldn't hold the weight of a man, so the nail, if it was just a nail, would normally go through the wrist here. Or you could tie the wrist to the cross and then send the nail straight through the hand either way. And the nail on your feet as well, which held you to a little uh, shelf of wood that was stuck out from the cross. And they would also fashion a little shelf that was behind your rump because the way that you died when you were being crucified was by slowly drowning as the fluids filled your own lungs and pressed in on your heart and caused it to stop beating. Your shoulders would be out of joint and so to breathe, you couldn't pull up with your arms, you'd have to lift up with your feet. And this is perhaps the picture that we should see as we hear the seven last words of Jesus, as he would muster up his strength and and inhale as much as he could and, and lift himself up to speak these words which we treasure today. This was not an easy task. Normally, though, normally it would take a few days, maybe even a week to die on the cross. And the soldiers would sit there and they would feed you the wine or some water to keep you alive. But with Jesus, he was already half dead by the time he got to the cross. He had been already beaten once by the soldiers of the high priest and then again by the entire battalion of Pilate's soldiers. This beating was of an especially nasty sort. They, the Romans had these whips that they called the cat of nine tails. It was a long leather thing and they would take the whip and they would dip it first in tar and then into a, uh, chips of bone or glass or rock so that it would bite into the flesh and rip it off, exposing the muscle and even the bones and the organs. It was unusually cruel to have both a flogging and a crucifixion. Normally they want you in as good as health as you can be before you go to the cross. There was other things that were incredibly painful. We think, for example, of the Old Testament, which tells us that Jesus' beard was ripped out. 
Or we consider the crown of thorns that was pressed into his head. The purple robe, which was there to mock him, but was also covering a wide open back and then ripped off again. This is the physical agony of the cross, the physical suffering of Jesus. But this is not what saves you. If this is what saved you, the two thieves crucified next to Jesus could have done the same job, or you could be crucified and save yourself. No, the physical agony of the cross is just there for Jesus to give us a hint of the real suffering. There's a second type of suffering that Jesus undergoes on the cross. And in fact, this kind of suffering, what we call the shame of the cross, is what the Gospels talk the most about. I often ask this question to kind of show the difference. Is if I gave you two options, if I said I'm going to come and punch you in the face or I'm going to spit on your face, which would you choose? And you have to think about it, I think, for a little while. Some of you don't. You just say, you know, spit on me. That doesn't hurt. But But to spit on someone's face doesn't physically hurt. But it is incredibly shameful. And we consider this shame as we see the soldiers spitting on the face of Jesus. Putting a purple robe on him and putting a staff in his hand and and bowing down and worshiping him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Or blindfolding him and slapping him on the face and saying, Prophesy! Who hit you? The shame of the cross is considered especially when we see that the soldiers, the four soldiers who were on crucifixion duty that day, were gambling for the the clothes of Jesus, which meant that they had stripped Him naked. That's how you were crucified, with nothing. All of your shame and nakedness exposed. And the people who would walk by, remember when you're crucified, you're not 30 feet high like this cross. You're just here so that a three-foot reed can reach your mouth. The people that would walk, walk by would throw rocks and jeers and mock. And they mocked Jesus. They mocked Him especially, especially where it would have hurt. They said, He trusted in God. Let Him heal Him. Let Him deliver Him. He healed others. Why can't He save Himself? He trusted in God. Let God save him. And this was Jesus in his life, was, his, was the only thing that he treasured, that, that he trusted in God. And this is now open for mockery. Even those who were crucified next to him mocked him, trying to get a little something for themselves. If he's the Christ, save yourself and save us too. The Gospels focus on the shame of the cross, I suspect because they want us to know that Jesus, like it says in Hebrews, despised the shame. Jesus didn't want this. But He did want the result. There is a third suffering that Jesus undergoes in the cross, which is beyond His physical suffering and is beyond his emotional suffering or the suffering of shame. And that is the spiritual suffering of the cross. And this is a suffering uh, this is a suffering that we cannot comprehend. 
This is the suffering that's indicated to us in the question as Jesus cries out from the cross. His fourth word out of seven, right in the middle, and He cries out and in this prayer to God and asks this question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is an astounding thing. I mean, first of all, it's astounding that Jesus is being forsaken by God. And this is the spiritual suffering. That God has turned His back on Jesus. That God the Father and the Son, who lived forever in an eternal, never-ending and abiding love, are rent apart from each other. And the darkness in the of the Son is an indication of the Father turning His back on His Son whom He loves, His only begotten. But it's not just a passive forsaken either. It says in Isaiah, this is just stunning, it says that He was smitten by God and afflicted. That God looks upon Christ who never did anything wrong and who always did everything right And he takes the Ten Commandments and the weight of the entire law and he lowers the boom on them. It pleased him to afflict him. (laughs) That God himself is delighted to destroy his son. And that's just the beginning. Because Jesus doesn't pray, my God, my God, you have forsaken me. He prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus in those three hours of darkness on the cross doesn't even know what he's doing there. Because if he did, if he knew that he was there for you, if he knew in those three hours of darkness that he was suffering so that you could have life, he would have some comfort. If he knew that in three days he would be raised from the dead and glorified to sit at the right hand of God, there would be some way to endure this abandonment by the Father. But every single ounce of any information, any knowledge, or anything that would give him comfort is completely removed from him. So he knows this, that he's never sinned and that he's suffering for the sins of the world and he doesn't even know why. So completely does Jesus drink from the cup of God's wrath. So completely does He empty this cup even to the dregs. So completely is Jesus going to taste the bitter suffering and the agony of God's wrath over sin, over your sin, that He has absolutely nothing to cling to, nothing to hold on to, nothing to rely on, nowhere to look for help. I am a worm and not a man, He says. Our fathers cried out to you and you delivered them. They looked to you and you helped them. But who am I? A worm and not a man. With no comfort. With only darkness. And abandonment. And the anger of God. This, dear saints, uh, this is the real suffering of the cross. This is the suffering that wins your salvation. This is the suffering that is your life. And I suspect that the reason why Jesus 
goes through all the physical suffering and all the shame of the cross is so that we would have some little sense of this third suffering that we will never know. Because Jesus was there suffering on the cross so that you wouldn't. Jesus was there being abandoned by God so that you never would be. Jesus had his three hours of darkness so that you would have an eternity of light and life and joy and peace. And this is our fantastic our fantastic joy on meditating on the cross of Jesus. Because while for those three hours of darkness, the answer to why God was forsaking him was hidden from Jesus, it's not hidden from us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer, dear saints, is because he loves you. And he wants to forgive you and give you life. So we rejoice this night. It is a good Friday. Because the suffering of Jesus is a suffering that we will not share. It is a suffering that gives us peace and affliction that gives us hope and an agony that gives us joy. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.